Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want you to go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. The book of Colossians chapter 3, and while you're going there, just a couple of more announcements. I normally don't take much time to do little commercials, but these are really important. The Lord has put it in our heart that moving forward, beginning in August, that the first Wednesday of every month is going to be dedicated to prayer and worship. And so what we're going to do the first Wednesday of every month from this point on is we're all going to gather here in the sanctuary and we're going to pray and we're going to worship because I believe in the power of faith-filled prayers. And we're going to kick that off on August the 1st. August the 1st, which is a Sunday, we're going to begin with eight days of prayer. In the Bible, the number eight is the number of new beginnings. Sunday the 8th, we'll end that eighth day of prayer, those eight days of prayer, by praying over all of our students, all of our teachers, administrators, as we get ready to begin a new school year. August is also the eighth month of the year. So we felt like the Lord was speaking something to us here. That it's time for us to pray for some new beginnings. We, we've been through a pandemic, church, and it may not quite be over yet. But I'm ready to see God help us get past that and do something new in each and every one of us. But we, we will have a prayer guide for you next Sunday, those eight days of prayer, what you will be helping us pray about every single day during those eight days of prayer. And I really want, especially my prayer warriors, I really want you to take this serious because I'm telling you folks, we need to pray. We need, we need to seek the kingdom of God like we have never sought the kingdom of God before. So I hope that you're going to join me in this time of prayer, eight days of prayer. Well, today I'm going to continue and complete what I started talking to you about a couple of weeks ago. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you and shared a message with you entitled, Take Off the Grave Clothes. And we looked at a passage of scripture in John chapter 11 where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible tells us in verse 44 of John 11 that Lazarus, the dead man, came out. Now we know that he's not dead anymore. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was a part of the dominion of death, but now he is a part of the dominion of life. And it says that the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. And there was a cloth around his face. And so Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now what happened to Lazarus in a physical sense has happened to all of us who are followers of Christ in a spiritual sense. What once was a part of the domain of darkness or death is no longer, but is now a part of the dominion of life. But when we come to Christ, there needs to be a removal of some things. 
Because even when we come to Christ, we still have some grave clothes on that bind us. And that keep us from being who God's called us to be and doing what it is that God has called us to do. And so God speaks to them and says, the Lord speaks to them and says, take off his grave clothes. He's not to be any longer bound by that old life. He's been transferred out of death into life, out of darkness into light. And you know that's how drastic the change in your life and my life should seem when we come to Jesus. I mean, the change that takes place in us. Paul said it like this, if any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that change should be as drastic as death and life. As darkness and light. And so we took a few moments a couple of weeks ago to talk about taking off the grave clothes. But today I want to talk to you about putting on the grace clothes. Because we are to take off the grave clothes, but now we are to put on a new suit of clothing. Now we are to put on our grace clothes. You say, well, why is this important? Well, I shared with you a little parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 22 a couple of weeks ago. In in the culture that Jesus lived in, when a family had a child that was being married, there were two invitations that would be sent out. The first invitation was just kind of a save the date. They're going to get married. This is the date that they're going to get married, so save the date. And then there was a second invitation That was sent, and that was when it was time for the wedding to take place, and the table had been spread, and the food had been prepared, and so now it's time to come and be a part of the event. Well, Jesus took something that literally happened in his culture and used it as an illustration or as a parable, and he says that the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet or like a feast. And he says that God is the one who gives the invitation for us to come and to be a part of his kingdom. But of course, we know that the only way to be a part of the kingdom of God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what this parable is. It's talking about God the Father giving an an, an invitation to each one of us to accept his son so that we can receive the gift of eternal life and be a part of his kingdom. And so God gives the invitation, and then the second invitation, and when he gives the second invitation saying that things are now ready, everybody come, nobody showed up. Everyone rejected the invitation of the king. And then the Bible says that not only did they reject the invitation of the king, but the messengers that he sent with the invitation They tortured and they killed those messengers, which would be a picture of the prophets of the Old Testament who came with the message of God or those in the New Testament who came with the message of salvation but were rejected and not only rejected, but they suffered and died even for the cause of Christ. But as only God can do, whereas before there were only two invitations, God doesn't give up. He gives a third invitation. And he sends his messengers out and says, whoever you can find, 
whomever you can find. I want you to go out into the streets. I want you to go out into the highways. I want you to go out into the byways, and I want you to invite anybody who will come. And how many of you know that when you are out just kind of going about your business, and all of a sudden a messenger comes up and and invites you to a banquet, but you've got to go now. You don't have time to go home and change your clothes and get ready for a banquet. And so the king would provide the clothing needed. And to reject the gift of the king would grieve the king. And so these servants go out. They provide the necessary clothing to come to the banquet. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew 22 and 11. It says that when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothing for a wedding. And then he goes on and he says, friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And what he's saying here is what you wear is important. And to get into the kingdom of God, you have to wear the clothes of grace. You cannot get into the kingdom on your own works and on your own merits. And to reject grace is to reject God. And so he looks at him and he had rejected the clothing. He did not have on the proper clothing. And he says, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, there's only one way into the kingdom of God. And God has provided that way into the kingdom of God. And it's by his grace. And those are the only clothes that are going to get you into the kingdom of God are the clothes, the robes of righteousness that God has made available to every single one of us. So we pick up in Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3 is so similar to what we looked at a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. He says, since then... You have been raised with Christ. In other words, what happened physically with Lazarus has happened spiritually for all of us who have accepted Christ. We have been raised to life. We have been raised with Christ. And he said, now that you have been raised with Christ, you're no longer a part of the dominion of death. You're now a part of the dominion of life. He said, here's what you've got to do. You have now got to set your hearts on things above. Well, where had our hearts been? Our hearts previously had been on things of this earth. That's where our affections, that's what our desires were attached to. But Paul says, now that you've been raised with Christ, even your affections have changed. Even your desires have changed. They're no longer earthly affections or earthly desires. You are now to set your affection and your desires where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Where is Christ? Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And Paul says that's now where our hearts need to be set. That's where our affections need to be set. 
That is, what's important to God is now important to us. What's important to Jesus is what is now to be important to us. And then he goes on and he says, don't just set your hearts on things above. But he said, now that you've been raised with Christ, set your minds on things above. Now, now let me tell you what he's not saying here. Years ago, evangelist D.L. Moody said this. He said that some people are so heavenly minded, they're not any earthly good. And, and, and we, we have definitely met folks like that, haven't we? That are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Matter of fact, they've quit their jobs. They've done nothing but just get to a place to where they're just sitting around and waiting on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doing absolutely nothing to impact others on this earth because They've taken it to the extreme of meaning that we're not to have anything to do with this earth any longer, that it's just all supposed to be about heaven and what awaits us in heaven. But he says this, he said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And here's what he's saying. He said, now that you've been raised to life, how you think you should now have the mind of Christ, that what's important to Christ now needs to be important to you. What he prioritizes should be our priorities. What he values is what we value. In other words, whereas in our former life, getting was a value, now giving is a value. And whereas in our former life, avenging might have been a value, now forgiving is a value. And whereas in our former life, ruling might have been a value, but now in our new life, serving is a value. You see, everything changes when you come to Jesus Christ. And like I said, it's as drastic as going from death to life, as going from the darkness to light. And let me tell you something, folks. If we want to see this world changed for the glory of God, it will change when they see the change in us. Amen? When they see the change in us, I believe if we're not careful sometimes that Christians do more to repel people from God than they do to draw people to God. And I believe that if we are the light that Jesus has called us to be, and if we are the salt that he has called us to be, we will not be driving people away from God, but people will see our good works, and they will glorify our Father in heaven. Oh, yeah, somebody just give God a good praise right there. Even if it hurts to do it, just praise him right there. Amen. So set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. And then he says this, for you died... Let me ask you this, did you? When you came to Christ, did you die? Let me ask, let me ask you this, how responsive do you believe a dead person is, and I'm talking about a physically dead person, how responsive do you think a physically dead person is to the desires of this world? Nothing. They have no desire for the things of this world. They are dead. And spiritually, 
That is what is supposed to happen to you and I when we come to Christ. We are to have died to our earthly nature. For he says this. He said, for you died. Notice that's past tense. Not you are dying. But you died. It's a once and for all action. You died. You're dead. Period. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see, what the ancient world believed is that when a person died physically and they were buried, that they were then hidden in the earth. But spiritually, Paul says, yes, we die and we are buried, but we're not hidden in the earth. We're hidden with Christ in God. And that speaks of security. That speaks of satisfaction. No, notice he said, you died and you're not, your life, your salvation is now secure in God. I said it just a few moments ago when I was praying. That when you are hidden with Christ in God, the enemy cannot touch you. Do you hear me? He cannot touch you without the permission of God. He cannot touch you. He cannot get to you. He cannot get to your marriage. He cannot get to your children. He cannot get to your job. He cannot get to your finances. He cannot get to you in any shape, form, or fashion unless you open a door or unless God gives permission for a specific purpose in your life. But you, you, you died and you are now buried. You are now hidden with Christ in God. And so he goes on and he says, when Christ, who is your life? I love that. Because he, he's not just the one who, who, who necessarily just gives life. He is life. You need to understand this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't know what it's like to live you really don't. Because he is the source. He is the sustenance of life. First John chapter 5 verse 2 says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he who hath not the Son of God does not have life. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 14 verse 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no life apart from Jesus. He is life. And you can't even experience life until you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And he said, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And what he's saying here is this. Not only do you have the Spirit of Christ in you to help you every single day to live a righteous life on this earth, but you also have the hope of Christ, the hope of glory, that when Jesus Christ returns, that he's going to return with you, that you will be there standing with him in your glorified body, that you will be a part of him. Not only is he our sustenance now, he's our hope hope for the future. Amen? He's our life. And, and, and then he goes on and he says, so, so put to death. Now, this is something we have to be intentional about. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5, 28 and 29. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, is he, is he literally saying that if your eye causes you to sin, get in there and just gouge that eye out? Or if your hand's causing you to sin, cut it off? No. He's saying you've got to get ruthless with sin in your life. And he said, get this, this is so important right here. He's saying that when you come to Christ, that you have got to disconnect yourself from anything, everything, anybody, and everybody that feeds your sinful desires. That's why when you come to Christ... You, you can't watch some of the things you used to watch because those things feed your sinful desires. You can't listen to some of the things that you used to listen to because they feed your sinful desires. You can't go some places that you used to go because they feed your sinful desires. And you cannot hang out with some people that you used to hang out with because they feed your sinful desires. And Jesus is saying, you've got to get ruthless, man. You've got to disconnect yourself from anything that is feeding your selfish desires. Get rid of it. Cut it off. Excise it. Surgically remove it. Put it to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he starts naming sins. Oh, Paul. Call it what it is. Sexual immorality, which is all kind of sexual sin. Adultery, fornication, pornography, all of those things. Sexual immorality, impurity. These are the evil thoughts that you have that lead to that sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. He says you gotta, you got to put those to death and greed. Maybe your Bible says covetousness. The 10th commandment says thou shalt not covet. Because someone who covets, someone who is full of greed... It's all about them. It's all about their desires. It's all about what I want. And if you have something that I want, I don't care how much I have to hurt you. I don't care how much I have to trample over you. If you've got something that I want, I'm coming after it. Even if I destroy your marriage, even if I destroy your family, even if I steal stuff that's very valuable to you, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's my greed. It's my covetousness that's driving me. And notice what he says. He says, all of this is idolatry. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed is idolatry. Why? Why is it idolatry? Because it's all about satisfying the desires of self. And self has now taken the place of God. Pleasing self has now taken priority over pleasing God. And that is idolatry. And listen to what he says. He said, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And the wrath of God in these situations is God will just let, let you go your own way and suffer the consequences of these bad choices that you're making. And then Paul continues and he says, you used to, past tense, not still do, look at your neighbor and say, not still do, used to, 
You used to walk in these ways. In that life that you once lived, but, but you don't live that life anymore. And then he says, but now. I think this would be a good time to look at that person by you again and say, but now. Maybe, maybe look at him again and say, stop it. But I can't. Yes, you can. The problem is you just don't want to. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to sanctify your desires and your affections. But don't tell me that now that you have given your life to Christ and the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. He will empower you to do this. Oh, rid yourselves of all these things. And I'm not going to talk much about these. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. He said, you've you got to rid yourself. That's not who you are anymore. Stop lying to each other since you have taken off your old self. In other words, you don't live like that anymore. You don't act like that anymore. You don't even think the way you used to think. Since you have taken off your old self, look at it, with its practices. Because you believe differently, now you behave differently. And that's really what Paul is saying in this whole book of Colossians. The first two chapters, he's been talking about doctrine, what you need to believe. But then he gets to chapter 3, and he says that doctrine is nothing. You can defend doctrine all day long. But he said the best way to defend doctrine is when you get to chapter 3 is demonstrate it. Live it. Live what you say you believe. And he says, stop lying to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices. Look at this. And have put on the new self. You take off the grave clothes. And now you've got to take and put on the grace clothes. And do you know what you did with your grave clothes? Because they were filthy, they were dirty, they could not be salvaged. You threw them in a fire and you burned them up. You've taken them off once and for all, never to put them back on again. And now you have once and for all put on the new self. But now notice this, which is being renewed. Everybody say, I'm still in process. <laughs> I'm still in process. I'm still growing. I'm, 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 I'm better than I was, but I'm still in process. And that's what he's saying here. He said, you've put on the new self, but you're still in process. You're still growing. And how are you growing? In knowledge. He said it like this in, in, in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And he says that's how this transformation takes place in your life. It's by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And listen to me this morning, Summerton Church of God. This is why I'm so passionate about teaching and preaching the Word of God. It's because a life cannot be transformed apart from the Word of God. 
If you come to Christ and you never get into the Word of God, you will never experience the kind of transformation that I'm talking about here this morning. You see, when we were first created, we were created in the image. We were formed in the image of God. But then we were deformed because of sin. Well, then when we came to Christ, we were transformed by the Holy Spirit. And now through the Word of God, we are conformed into the image of Christ. And that's the process for every one of us. From being formed to deformed to transformed to now conformed to what he says to the image of our creator. And that's the purpose that God has for every single one of us in this room here today. It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's to look like Jesus. It's to act like Jesus. It's to live like Jesus. It's to love like Jesus. Hallelujah. Tanya, you can go ahead and begin to play, but notice what he says. He says here, because of what Christ has done, this new life in Christ, he says, there's no barriers anymore. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. You see, Christ has removed every barrier. So that when a Gentile comes to him and gives their heart to him, they're no longer a Gentile. They're a Christian. And a Jew, when they come to Christ, no, they don't lose their national heritage. But they're not just looked at as a Jew. They're a Christian. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian. Scythian, which was the lowest of the low of society. The slave who was nothing more than a living tool in the hands of its master. Didn't even have the right to get married. Was totally at the ownership of its master. He said, but no, 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 no. He said, but when someone comes to Christ, they're, they're no longer a slave or, or no longer free. They're Christians. The barriers have been destroyed. The walls have come down. And listen to me. It's not the job of the church to rebuild those walls. It's the job of the church not to build walls, but to build bridges. Bridges. Okay, Lord. If you have a problem worshiping with someone who is not necessarily the same color of your skin then you haven't been transformed by the Spirit of God. And and if you think you're better than some others in the body of Christ, and that there are others less than you, then you have not been transformed by the Spirit of God. You haven't. Your heart is still wicked. Your heart is still full of evil. You're still in the dominion of death. Because Christ has removed every barrier so that we are now one. Regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of our nationality, regardless of our our socioeconomic standing, regardless of where we came from or what we have or what we don't have, we're all sons and daughters of God. We are one in Christ Jesus. 
Yes. And then he goes on and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, now you're God's chosen now, holy, dearly loved. You know what's, you know what's strange about this is up until this time, these terms were used only for the nation of Israel. Because at one point in time, the nation of Israel was God's chosen, was the one that God had separated as his own, was the one that God dearly loved. But now all of us who are a part of the church of the living God, we are his chosen. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation to declare forth the praises of God. Who did what? Brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he said, here's what you got to put on. Compassion. You say, well, Pastor, why are you calling these grace clothes? Because you can't do anything, any of these, without the grace of God. You can't do this in and of yourself. You have to have God's help. Compassion. That's us saying, God, give me your heart. So that I can feel for others what you feel. So that my desires are your desires. So that my affections are your affections, God. God, I want to be a tender-hearted, tender, merciful person. And he says, that's what you've got to do. You take off the old. But now when you put on the new, this is what it looks like. Compassion. And not only compassion, but kindness. You remember the story of David after his covenant brother had been killed, a guy by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan had a son by the name of Mephibosheth. And whereas when one family who had ruled when the king had been killed and another king was assuming the throne, they would kill all the other members of the family. But David and Jonathan had a covenant in blood that regardless of which one died first, that the other would take care of their family. Mephibosheth didn't deserve it. He was a cripple living in Lodabar where everybody had forgotten about him, but he was the son of Jonathan. And when David comes to the throne, he said, is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And that's, what, that's the reason you and I are here today, those of us who are followers of Christ. It's because Christ, Christ had a covenant with his father and said, is there any left of the house of Adam that I may show kindness for Christ's sake, the father said. That's what kindness is. Not only kindness, but humility. Humility is not thinking necessarily lowly about yourself. Really, it's not thinking about you at all. It's thinking about others first and putting others first, their needs first. And then gentleness. Gentleness here is, is meekness. It's a, it's a power under control. It's, it's just the picture of a wild animal that has been tamed. And it's a power that has been Brought under the control of the Holy Spirit that's not used to hurt, but it's used to help. And then he says, <laughs> patience. <sighs> this one's hard. Because you see, he's talking about how we should treat other people. Not circumstances. People. And he said, 
You've got to put on patience. And, 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 and I believe that the reason he said that is because of what he says next, because you've got to bear with each other. You've got to understand everybody's not like you. Everybody doesn't have the same opinion that you have. I know you think that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. But you know what? There's some people going to heaven that think the rapture is going to take place in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation. But just because they have a different opinion than you do, we got to bear with each other. We've got to understand that none of us are perfect. We're all still in process. We're all still growing. Come on, give us a break. Amen. Bear with. Bear with us. And then he says, and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive. Look at this now. As the Lord forgave you. And here's what he's saying. In the same way that the Lord has forgiven you, now you are to forgive others. I pointed this out a few weeks ago when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In the same way that we forgive our debtors, Lord, forgive us. So what if you were to go to God and say, God, in the same way that I forgave so-and-so, which God, I never have forgiven them. But in the same way that I forgave so-and-so, forgive me. No. He says our prayer should be in the same way that the Lord has forgiven us. We should forgive others. Is there anybody in this room here today who's experienced his forgiveness? Can you believe it? Can you believe the things that he has forgiven us of? And then he finishes up and he says this, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that love is compassionate and love is kind and love is humble and love is gentle and love is patient. The greatest motivator in the world is love. It's what motivated God to do everything that God has done for us. And I'm telling you that if we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, and if we allow his love to motivate us, it'll change how we treat other people, how we look at other people. Would you stand with me? Here's, here's the last verse I want you to see, and it's verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, understand, listen to me. Remember as a child of God, remember as a follower of Christ, remember who you are representing. You're not, re you're not representing Pastor Victor. You're, you're not just representing Summerton Church of God. You are representing in word and in deed. You are representing Jesus. Jesus. So it's what I'm saying. A good representation of who Christ is. It's how I'm living. A good representation of who Jesus is. Because that's what it means to be light.
It's to be Jesus. To put skin, what Jesus would look like, what Jesus would act like, what Jesus would talk like. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us when he says you got to take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes because you are my representatives. The Lord wants us to know we are his representatives in our community. We're his representative in our schools. We're his representatives in our workplace. We are his representative everywhere we go. And we are to go in word and deed to make Jesus known. To make him known. And then Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, then I will draw. You got to understand, it's not our wonderful programs and it's not our wonderful plans. I, I believe in plans and I believe in programs. I believe in great, talented, gifted people. But listen to me, that's not what draws people. What draws people is when people are, when they are attracted to the Jesus in us. That's what draws them is Jesus. Jesus. Summerton Church of God, let's be Jesus to those around us. Let's be Jesus everywhere we go. Let's make Jesus known. Let's be a good representation so that when people see the lives we live and the words that we speak, they'll say, that's what I want. That's who I want to follow. That's who I want to transform my life. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, come on and give him a praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's just, let's just invite him into our space right now. I believe that this needs to be a personal moment in each and every individual's life right now. You need to say, Lord, if you haven't been a good representation of him, you should say, Lord, forgive me that I have not represented you well. Forgive me that I've been trying to live this new life with my grave clothes still on. And I know it cannot be done. There needs to be some asking of forgiveness. There needs to be some repentance here today. Some of you need to take your grave clothes today in a spiritual sense, and you need to throw them in a fire, and you need to burn them up, never to put them back on again. And you need to put on the grace clothes that represent your new life in Jesus Christ. Come on, just have a moment there with the Lord. Amen. Come on, lead us, lead us worship team. But I want, you, I want you right now to just have a moment with the Lord, a personal moment with Him. Let Him transform your heart. Let Him transform your life today. Hallelujah. Do it, Holy Spirit. Forgive us if we have not been the representatives of you that you have called us to be. That we're trying to live, Lord, our new life with our old clothes on. That we've got to get rid of those old clothes. We've got to put those things to death. We've got to die to that old life. We've been raised with you in Christ Jesus. We've been raised with you, Lord. And we want to look like it. We want to live like it. We want to think like it. We want to behave like it. So we today we put on our grace clothes of compassion. 
Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.